Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Okay, today, folks, we have with us an international mission board missionary who is from a Central Asia country with us, and they'll be sharing about ministry and missions on the foreign field. And look forward to uh, sharing more with you about that when we come back right after this. Friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in uh, our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design, they can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course, any kind of video presence and, and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners. You will be glad you have done this. They're really a one call media company and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. Well, welcome to another edition of Punching Holes in the Darkness. It's a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan for pastors and leaders of this great state and others within our Baptist sign to provide encouragement, inspiration, and information in order that we may all be better prepared to punch holes in the darkness. I'm Tim Patterson, the Executive Director here at the Baptist State Convention of Michigan and your host for today. Folks, today we have with us some International Mission Board missionaries. Uh, now, we're going to be using a pseudonym for them, not their real names, and uh, just want to make you aware of that. We have uh, Mark and Rebecca Bishop, uh, they are our IMB, International Mission Board Missionaries, in a Central Asian country. And uh, we are thrilled to have them with us today. Mark, thank you for joining with us, my friend. We appreciate you being here today. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited. Well, good deal, man. I, I, I just was so impressed the other day. I was able to be at a local church where... Uh, you and your sweet uh, uh, heart, your sweetheart, Rebecca, and your, your children were there and sharing the, the gospel and sharing the good news and telling us about missions and how God has called you and moved you in there. Well, tell me, uh, as we get started, not everybody knows you and everybody knows anything about you, but can you tell us a little bit about your family and what's going on with it? Yes, sir. And one more time, I'd like to say thank you for having me. And we're very excited to be with you and very thankful for all of our Michigan Baptists. We're from the central Michigan area, my wife and I. We're coming up pretty quickly on our 15th wedding anniversary in a couple of months. And Lord's blessed us with four young kids right now. They're between the ages of five and 10. So that's a little bit about us. 
Yeah, they and cute as they can be, and every one of them just blonde-headed, white-headed kids. It just they were they were fun to be around, especially at lunch the other day. We had fun. Uh, it's just it's just good to be around kids and pastors and and uh, it's just it was a blessing. You're blessed, my friend. Very very blessed. So, and your wife. Uh, how long, uh, how long have you, I know you've been married 14 years, but how long have you known her? Oh, I've known Rebecca now 20, 22 years, something like that. We met at our sending church, in fact, a um, long time ago. Oh, well, good. Now, you know, many times there's not an issue with, uh, uh, the, the husband being called to ministry. You, you feel that definite call, you feel that, definite uh, urging of God to go into ministry and him putting his hands on you and uh, so to speak, ordaining you for ministry. But how about Rebecca? Did she feel a call to missions as did you? Yes. And that's a really interesting question. Uh, both Rebecca and I grew up in the church and sensed from a pretty young age that God would lead us into serving him in missions in some capacity. And after we started spending time together and learning that we both had this sense from God is probably part of the, the way that the Lord pulled us together and uh, made us into a unit in his service. But it was very interesting that when, when we sensed that the Lord was telling us it was time to really get serious about this calling as we, after we'd been married for some time, you know, I had, I had a wrong understanding. I believe now that I had a wrong understanding of how God calls a couple. Uh, I remember when we were looking at different assignments, praying about places, asking God, you know, where would we go and daydreaming about what kind of work will we do and what will the people be like? Uh, Mark, uh, pardon, Rebecca and I talked about this, trying to discover where God is calling us. And, and I told her, you know, I think God calls the man in this situation, you know, God calls single ladies to go out, certainly, and to go on their own calling. But I was telling Rebecca, I think God is calling the man, because all, all I was familiar with was the, you know, the pastor paradigm that we know, and that was the kind of calling I was familiar with. And so I thought, God calls me, and Rebecca's going to come alongside, and she's going to serve with me, not just serve me and the family, but serve the Lord, serve the gospel. Right. But kind of coming alongside. But I'll tell you the truth. I've come to believe that I was wrong about that. I think God called Rebecca in a unique way, equally and just as much as he called me. And I was I was tremendously blessed to see how she lived out her calling on the field. And I could observe ways that that she innovated uh, and opportunistically work to spread the gospel. I could see how God had burdened her, placed that burden on her. And that was her unique calling, not just her serving, you know, alongside. Yeah. Well, that, you know, you, you know, Mark, I, I agree with you hundred percent because I, I, I'm of the conviction that it would be almost impossible for a woman wife to go with a husband on a mission field that is so foreign, so different, and difficult without a divine calling on their life. I just don't know how they do it. And the, the fact of the matter is that I think many who go without that divine calling on their lives, they just don't make it. 
everything kind of falls apart at some time or another. And there's just not that, that's that strengthening bond that keeps you there and keeps you in the midst of ministry when everything else inside you tells you to run and go the other direction. So, uh, it's many times it's that calling of God on their lives that keeps you going. And if you're both not, if you both don't have that call in your life, uh, I just don't see how you make it, but I agree with you. Now I can tell just a little bit from my life. Sabrina has always, my wife, Sabrina has always felt called to be a pastor's wife. She's always felt that in her life since she was very, very, very young. And, uh, she didn't, of course she didn't know it was going to be me. And, uh, but, uh, she still since that calling and it's because of that, I believe calling in our lives together that we're able to have longevity in ministry and marriage. So that's a good thing. And that's great. Well, I'm so glad that, uh, I was able to meet Rebecca. I had met her before on, on different occasions before you were all, uh, sent over to overseas, but it was good to see her and how she's doing, how she's thriving and how the kids are thriving as well. Uh, now, as, as you know, as we know, you serve in an area of the world where Islam is very prevalent and, uh, sharing the gospel is not always easy in those kind of situations. Can you tell us a bit about what it's like to share the gospel in a predominantly Islamic country? And um, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the unique things about that, if you don't mind? Of course. And you're right. The context that we are in is, I mean, predominantly Muslim is putting it holy. You could essentially say it's 100% Muslim. It's a, it's a setting where uh, the people who follow Christ are, are so few that we consider them absolutely unreached as a people group. And it's, it's the kind of country where apostasy from Islam is a capital offense. Islam has, a, has an iron grip on this society, this nation, and this culture. Uh, but, you know, I always, I very frequently think about Matthew 13, 16, where Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And I believe that Jesus is saying for us to have eyes that see, ears that hear, in other words, be able to perceive that the gospel is true is a blessing from God. It's a gift that God gives. And I think he's doing that everywhere. So he is doing that inside Muslim cultures too. And we were able to see that when you go to a Muslim culture, it is intimidating. I think for anyone, I certainly can say so for me, when we were looking at assignments around the world, I was hoping God would not send me to a Muslim country. <laughs> I understand. I understand. It's, it's, intimidating. And I really did not want to have to tackle that, to be honest with you. But uh, it, the truth is sharing the gospel among our Muslim neighbors was an absolute joy and a privilege. I never could have anticipated how it would be. But these, these people are in the grip of a religious system that offers no hope. It's barren of hope. And so these people are very hungry spiritually. And they're also, interestingly, open even though the culture doesn't allow them to be. But on a personal level, level, when you're sitting with your friend and your neighbor and your coworker, they, you know, they want to know where is hope to be found. And they, they understand you believe differently from them. And so you have natural ways to start conversations and share Christ because they have this hunger more so, I think, than many of us in our, in our nation. 
who feel pretty comfortable. That is so interesting. And, and I I've had some of the same feelings here, of course, in Michigan, we have a large contingency of, uh, Islamic people and particularly there it's been said that as far as density population, we have the most densely populated group of, um, Arabic speaking people and Islamic people in the United States. Now there are some that have more, I think in certain areas, but as far as densely populated in one central area, I think, uh, our Detroit and Dearborn area has the large, has the highest density population. And there are many, I have many on my, just on my block where I live in Canton. Can you give me some kind of way that I could more readily approach somebody who is Islamic and share the gospel? What are some of the tools that we might be able to use here in Michigan that you have used there in uh, the Central Asian country in which you've been doing ministry? It won't, it won't surprise you to hear me say that relationships are key and prayer opens doors for the gospel. You know, I, we found certainly in our setting that trying to share the gospel in large groups is not very fruitful. There's a lot of pressure to conform in groups of people. And we did share in groups and plant planted seeds. We call that broad seed sowing and sowing as many as we can. Uh, we're all about doing that. But to really gain traction in a person's life, life I think uh, for the gospel, you need to earn a hearing and earn their trust. And that's not to say you should pass over opportunities to, to pro proclaim the good news, but prayer opens doors. We were able to see that very clearly and getting to know our friends and our neighbors on a personal level made them willing to hear from us what we care about, what's important to us and why do we conduct ourselves differently than all their other neighbors. So these people are, they're more communal than you and I, and they will be open to you offering some sort of friendship or relationship with them. You making a, a step in their direction, generally it'll be very well received. And that's how you start to plant seeds. Yeah, it's, this is, and I asked that question, really knowing the answer to that question, because so many people ask me, how do you do that? How can you, it's just like anyone else. It's about relationships. You build a relationship and a trust with people and they begin to open up their hearts and their lives to you. I have found that as I have been in Dearborn, Michigan, uh, it's, it's a unique place, by the way. Um, the signage in Dearborn is in, in Arabic and in English, uh, which it's kind of a, a little unnerving to some people, but I've found the people very, very receptive and friendly. Even when I've been walking down a block in one of the uh, older neighborhoods there that many of the Arabic people have moved into and revitalized, so to speak, they will be sitting on their porches or in their yards. And if I wave at them, they wave back. And sometimes they will ask me to come to their porch and stand or sit with them. This is just unusual for most Americans, Westerners. I mean, we put up fences, garage doors and lock them and shut them and don't want anybody around, but they have a different culture. And I have found that they are very receptive to you. And uh, uh, anyway, that's, that's what I have found. And, I, and you, you verify that by what you shared. 
Okay, folks, we'll be right back with a continuation of Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. Hey, by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So welcome our new partner, GuideServe. Mark, listen, another thing that's been of interest to me, and I think would be of interest to maybe young families and others who might be feeling a call to missions or going into a foreign mission field. What about your children? How have they adjusted? And has the transition been difficult or different? I know it's been different, of course, but tell me a little bit about the transition uh, for your children and uh, how they have adapted to this? Well, thanks for asking. The truth is the Lord blessed us and our children adapted beautifully. We were fortunate that we went to join a team with other children around the same ages as ours. So they had playmates that they got to see at least a couple times a month. And we usually get together with them about once a week. But for our kids, when we went over, fortunately, our kids were very young. They're between the ages of two and six. So they didn't really have a strong frame of reference for what they were leaving behind. Right. So our transition was, was great. They got used to the new setting. And we asked the Lord for a couple of years to help them see this new place as home. And then we were really, really joyful to see. After a couple of years, they started talking about Central Asia as home. When are we going to go back home, you know, whenever we left or something. So we're grateful for that. Well, that, that is, I have found that to be true with most missionaries' kids. They adapt more readily and easily than do we. Uh, we have a lot of culture and background and baggage with us, and they're just children living life and growing up. And uh, many who are in our, uh, my staff members here, they've all had uh, service with an international mission board and in foreign fields and had their children there. And they relate the same stories. Their children speak those languages and love it and adapt quickly to the languages and uh, do very, very well. One of the things that uh, also some young couples might be concerned about or have questions about, how about healthcare and availability of healthcare for your children and your family as a whole? We have great health insurance and coverage and care through the IMB. And they do a very good job of that. Our location had very, very subpar healthcare where we were. So we did virtually no healthcare in our city at all, but you know, the Lord was faithful to us. And we went to that place knowing that 
there wouldn't be much in the way of healthcare available. So it's one of the ways, that, truthfully, our faith grew as parents, especially learning to trust the Lord with our health. But whenever we need anything, our, our IMBs is on the spot. Good, good deal. I, I like that. And let's talk a little bit about that since you were, we're talking about the IMB and what they provide for you, the International Mission Board. Uh, do they provide well for your family? Is this a missionary organization that you can trust and, and do they do well by you? That's a good question. Now, I grew up a Southern Baptist and I thought that the IMB was the, just the, the greatest organization we have going for reaching the nations with the gospel. So when the Lord was calling me and Rebecca, we naturally only wanted to look that way to, to go to the see, go to the nations through the IMB. Now, since we've been working with and for the IMB, that that impression has only grown and strengthened. As I've gone, grown to know the organization, I've only become more and more proud of it. So thank the Lord for all of you people out there who are supporting us through the IMB and all the hard workers there. But they have, they have been doing this for a very long time, reaching the nations for the gospel. There is a great deal of institutional wisdom and experience there. So when we need something, there are teams in place. Uh, as far as our, how we're provided for, you Southern Baptists who give to support this work are very generous. We're, we are well provided for. When we need something, like I mentioned in healthcare, we had a son fall and break his arm, and we had to go to a different country to get, it, get surgery on it. And our team just jumps into, into action and, and takes care of us. And we have been more than adequately provided for in every way. I know they take care of your salary. They take care of housing and all those kinds of things for you. But they also help you with retirement as well. There are certain things that the International Mission Board does that some may not be aware that they do. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, retirement, salary, health care, dental, all those things are covered for us. Uh, the IMB has organizations that allow us to enter these countries. You know, a lot of these countries we go to would not give a, a visa to a missionary. So we have platforms, we call it, ways to get into countries that are established. They are strong. They're secure. So this is all work that the IMB does in the background. Uh, you mentioned retirement. That's important for everyone. Uh, but the IMB cares for us now, and they care for us in the future. They care for us as families, as individuals. There are people who are ready to talk when we need to just share what we're struggling with. Um, There's a very robust system. That you know, And that is the amazing thing about the International Mission Board. And all of it's made possible through a local church. Every little church, big church, medium-sized church, that gives through the cooperative program or the cooperating way that we give funds, give monies that help support the International Mission Board. And that's, that's the genius of that. You know, a small church in northern Michigan could not support you on a mission field in your family. It's impossible. They just don't have the funds to do it. And they don't have the logistics. They don't have all the support teams around you, all the things that are provided for you. They can't provide for that. But if that church and another church and another and another and another, if they all pool together their resources through cooperation, that's what we call the cooperative program, then we're able to fund missionaries like you. And you don't have to worry about 
getting a job while you're there. You don't have to worry about coming back home and raising funds and all of those kinds of things. You just focus on your mission and the gospel. That's the genius of the International Mission Board being supported through the cooperative program. So uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful tool and it's a wonderful ministry. And, and we're excited that you are part of that. Well, tell me, what's the most fulfilling thing about being a missionary? What, what do you see as the most fulfilling thing in your life and your family's life? I think the most fulfilling thing for us has honestly just been the reward for obedience, the, the reward that God gives. Uh, when we're in a, a place that's difficult and in times that are difficult, you mentioned how important it is to be able to rely on your calling. When you've got nothing else, you have that. And the Lord has taught us obedience through this experience. And we're still growing in that, obviously, with a long ways to go. But we have seen that simply being obedient has been the most rewarding thing. When we just follow God as he directed us, we sense his nearness and we sense a purposefulness in our lives that we never had otherwise. And just we're, we're filled with gratitude to be able to do what the Lord has told us to do. And we're so thankful that he made his will clear to us so that we can stand firmly on that, no matter what we're experiencing in the, in the place where we live. We have this reward of knowing that the Lord told us what to do and we obeyed. You know, Romans 9.16 says, so it's, it doesn't depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Absolutely. It's what a good word. What a good word. It's, and that's exciting to say. Are there any questions that uh, you might have of us or anything that you want to say that I've not asked you about or stated? Is there anything that you need to say or ask? Well, I'll, I, again, I come back to Colossians 4. Uh, I talked about the gospel opening doors. And I think I mentioned this the Sunday morning when you were with us. Uh, we see, we have seen that prayer opens doors for the gospel. And so if, if anyone hearing this wants to know how they can plug in and be involved in the work that God's doing around the nations and in Central Asia, number one, please pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest that he send workers and that he would, he would do what Matthew 13 says, open eyes and open ears. That's a blessing only God can give. So please pray. Uh, that's the question I would like to have answered today is what can I do if for all the people hearing us today? Uh, number one, pray. Number two, pray, pray and ask the Lord, how should you be involved? How should you give and go and, and sacrifice and serve so that lost people in Central Asia and around the world can know Jesus? Amen. Well, that's, that's such a good word, Mark. Thank you. And uh, please give our love to Rebecca and your children. And thank you for letting us have this time together. I, I'm going to be sure to tell Dr. Paul Chitwood, you're doing a great job. Uh, Paul's a good friend of mine, and he is the president of the International Mission Board and a great guy. He loves his missionaries and he loves you. And uh, I promise you, they are, they're, they're great support. Folks, thank you for joining with us today on another edition of Punching Holes in the Darkness. Today we've had with us uh, missionaries, uh, pseudonym Mark and Rebecca Bishop, uh, and they are missionaries in Central Asia. Now, if you would like to speak with them at any time in the future, or make contact with them, 
just contact us here at the Baptist State Convention of Michigan, and we will get you in touch with them. So again, thank you for joining with us today on Punching Holes in the Darkness. May God bless you, and you have a great day as we together punch holes in the darkness. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.